We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Wednesday, August 30th. Want to uh, have some fun today talking about a couple different topics. We are going to do our typical rundown thing. We're going to cover a few different topics. And then today I'm also going to talk a little bit of a little bit of college football at the end. So we'll talk about uh, some of the more intriguing games this weekend, on, in my opinion, and some of the top games this weekend and what I think about each game. We, you know, look in this space, most weeks we're going to talk about Notre Dame in some sort of relationship to the upcoming opponent. But today we're not going to do that. Today we're going to focus on really Notre Dame and and kind of look at Notre Dame a little bit, you know, looking forward uh, in, as, as well as a little bit of backwards as far as what we've seen from the beginning of the season and, until now. And so today's focus from a Notre Dame standpoint will be on what we know and what we don't know about Notre Dame. We'll talk offense and we'll talk defense and and get into both of those areas. And then I'll take a little brief intermission and of about maybe like a minute, and then we'll dive into some college football talk because uh, week one kicks off this weekend and we've got s- some really good games on Thursday night, got a good game on Friday night, a couple good games on Friday night. If you're a college football junkie like I am, and then of course Saturday is a, is a pretty busy day as well. Some A lot of games that are just kind of like the Notre Dame-Tennessee State game you're not going to learn a whole lot about some of these teams, but there are still some really good games in week one of college football. I will try to do a mailbag at the end. Obviously, Super Chats are the easiest way to see questions. There was only a few questions uh, that were put in before the show that I was able to star. I will try to see if I can find some questions during the show uh, and try to do a mailbag today since we're not really doing a deep dive into the, the upcoming opponent like we normally will. I want to begin with the Notre Dame offense and you know it's 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 kind of funny seeing the reaction from people after the first game of the season and you know there's all the doubters about Notre Dame coming into the year and you know do they have athletes and do they do this and they do they have that and you know we've been talking about how much we like this team for a while and the potential that we think this team has for a while and now you know you hear Brady Quinn talk about this is the most talented Notre Dame team he's seen in a long time obviously some people took issue with that. I, I think I think he's I think he could be accurate. I, I just don't know if after one game we can be making those type of big proclamations. And that's kind of where I want to dive, you know, kind of live today is 
you know, what do we really know about this football team? And if your entire basis of of what you know is just the first game, then, you know, I don't know if if that's a, a place that you want to go, right? It, it, but for me, it's going to be sort of this is what we know that culminated in game one that also came from, you know, what we saw in the spring, what we saw in fall camp, and then, of course, you know, what things that we've heard that we've had confirmed – you know, things that you can say right now, I feel very good about this being true about this football team. And then these are some things that that we that I think are still question marks to some sort of degree. And I think this team and, and Ryan and I have talked about this. Vince and I have talked about this. I do think this is one of the deepest teams that Notre Dame has had in a long time from a talent standpoint. I think the question is, is going to be what is the depth of talent? And that'll be kind of where I live today during the this, this show, especially at the offensive side of the ball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So when you, when you get down to when you get down to the conversation about the Notre Dame offense and what you know and what you don't know, the first thing that I think we know is that the quarterback play this season is going to be a lot better, a lot better. And I, how good is Sam Hartman going to be? I don't know. Here's something that I can promise you: uh, Sam Hartman's not going to throw four touchdowns in every single game that he plays this year. Right. I mean, I think we can all kind of we can all kind of come to to grips with that. I don't see him throwing 48 touchdowns over the course of the season. You know, the 251 yards, eh, that's more doable. You know, that only gets them to 3000 for the season. So I think from a yard standpoint, there's still more potential to get out, get yards out there. Notre Dame had very limited possessions against, you know, against Navy on, on Saturday. The, the length they had to go on some of the possessions wasn't super long. And so it kept the yards down a little bit. It was a great, very balanced attack. But what we saw from Sam Hartman on Saturday, beyond the yards, it's not really about the stats. Navy has a bad pass defense. We, we said that weeks before the game, leading into the game, day of the game, post game, Navy's secondary is not good. And matter of fact, I'll argue that we're going to learn more about the Notre Dame skill players on offense, and I'll get into this more in my next point, this weekend against Tennessee State than we did last weekend against Navy. Notre Dame should have looked great against Navy throwing the football on Saturday. It's not that. That's not it. It's not the four touchdowns. It's not the pass to Jaden Greathouse. It's really just the overall command that Sam Hartman had of the offense, just the calm that we saw from the entire group, the entire game. And and look, there is a the, true or not. People often ask, you know, why do quarterbacks get so much credit? Why do they get so much blame? You know, why do quarterbacks makes them make the most money? Why do quarterbacks get the most attention? And there's a lot of different reasons for it, but. 
part of it is because there's no disputing that the quarterback is an incredibly important part of your football team. If you have a great left guard, just a phenomenal left guard, which we've seen from Notre Dame in the past in 2017, like Quentin Nelson, that's a great asset to have. But he doesn't necessarily have an emotional impact on the receivers, running backs and quarterback to a degree. But he just doesn't have that kind of impact. When you've got a quarterback that is a really talented player, that is a leader, that has created confidence in the rest of the the team, you see a football team react a lot different and, and, and play a lot different. And we've heard made comments from heard comments from coaches and players like, hey, look, I always got to be working because you never know when Sam's going to throw me the football. And I think that's something that builds a team up. And I think the the fact that he is sort of a, you know, he's not a real fiery guy. He gets excited, but he's not a real fiery guy. He's more of a calm guy, I think, creates some of that with the offense. He's got swagger. You can tell he's a confident guy, but he's not a real boastful guy. And I think we saw a lot of that from the offense and the opener. So I think it's those things to me that are going to lead to belief that their quarterback play is going to be much better this season than it has in a while. And I, I think when you compare it to 2021, you compare it to like, let's say Jack Cohn. Well, I think number one, there's a lot more experience that Sam Hartman has. He is, he's got, he's a better athlete in the pocket. He moves around better in the pocket. He can avoid pressure better. We saw that on Saturday against Navy. He's a guy that to me has a little bit more zip on the fastball. I would say than than Jack Cohn had, and he's a guy that's a little bit. He's a better deep ball thrower than Jack Cohn was. Jack was a pretty decent deep ball thrower, but Sam is much better. And I just think those are all aspects that kind of lead to why this is going to be the best quarterback play we've seen from Notre Dame in quite some time. And will, what will the numbers look like? That I don't know. That's a bit of an unknown, but I honestly don't care. It's the quality of the play, the efficiency of the play was outstanding on Saturday. And I think when you're looking at this football team, I, I absolutely look at that and say, hey, this is an aspect of this football team that need that has been missing for years. Uh, even when they've had talented players at quarterback, there hasn't been the same type of leadership. There hasn't been the same type of consistency. There's been playmaking, but not the week after week uh, aspects that 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 Sam is going to bring from a leadership standpoint. Deshaun Kaiser was a very talented player in 2015 after Malik got hurt. Very talented player. But he wasn't a leader. He wasn't a guy that was a, was a calming presence. He wasn't a guy that you could really look and say, hey, this is a guy that everybody's going to follow. And I think that's something that's going to be important. Second thing that I feel confident saying that we we know about this football team is – the deep. This is the deepest Notre Dame has been from a skill talent, talent standpoint in a long time. Have there been years where the starting talent at receiver was better? Yeah, I would say 2015 is an example. 2018 is arguable that that talent that that group had better individual talent. When you look at it, you know, would you take 2018 Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool of what we know about them over Tobias Merriweather and Jaden Thomas? Probably. You know, we could debate Chris Fink versus. Chris, uh, Chris Tyree, we don't really yet know what Chris Tyree is going to be as a receiver. It's a nice first game, but what's it going to be all over the course of a season? But but the difference is, is in 2018, once you, you know, you had a bunch of freshmen that weren't ready to play. I think Kevin Austin should have played more in 2018, but 
you know, Braden Lindsey probably should have played a little bit in 2018, but Lawrence Keyes wasn't ready to play in 2018. Joe Wilkins, Micah, Micah Jones, those guys weren't going to be ready to play in 2018. The 2017 receiving core was Michael Young. He's a good player, but he wasn't on the level of a Tobias Merriweather's second-year player. He wasn't on the level of a Jaden Greathouse or even a Rico Flores. Even as a second-year player, he wasn't on their level. And so you really had those three guys, and that was kind of it at wide receiver. You didn't have a whole lot else after that. And you look at the running back room in 2018, and obviously that was talented, you know, obviously with Dexter Williams and you had Tony Jones. But after that, you're, you're Jafar Armstrong, you're Jameer Smith, you know, you're, you're Sebo Flemister as, as freshmen, right? And, and so when you just look at the depth of this, of this team, it's so good. And so deep. And I think that's something that that people just didn't put enough credence in coming into the season. This is one of those reasons that I just felt like the receiver position is going to be fine. Even if, let's just say hypothetically, and I don't believe this to be true. Let's say hypothetically that Tobias Merriweather is not as good as I thought he was. And, and I don't believe that to be true. I'm literally just making an example. They're going to be okay. Because they have guys like Jaden Greathouse, they could move out there. They've got Rico Flores. They've got Deion Colsey. So if Deion Colsey steps up and starts being a baller, and, and you can say maybe move Jaden Thomas to the field position, and then Tobias can come off the bench. There's a lot of things you can do with this with the depth that you have a receiver. You can do plenty of 12 personnel stuff where you don't even need a third receiver on the field. You can have Chris Tyree as one of your outside receivers. And do some really interesting things out of twins and and tray formation and, and where you've got the two receivers to a side with a tight end. There's a lot you can do. You can go 20 personnel, 21 personnel, even if you only wanted to get two receivers in the field. And you can do that because of how deep you are everywhere. You're going eight, nine, deep, seven, eight. Deep. I forgot even mentioned Matt Salerno, who had a really nice catch on Saturday, who's an experienced guy that can be part of a rotation. You've got talent at receiver. The, the depth at tight end isn't as good because of some injuries, but we start getting October, November. If Eli Raritan's able to come back, you're talking about one of the most pound for pound explosive athletes you have on the football team. If he can get back to full speed. And then of course, at running back, you've got five deep at, at running back and you've got multiple guys that can catch the football. And, and I just look at this and say, this is why I was so confident in the receiving core, because if miles Boykin doesn't break out in 2018, that receiving core was in trouble. If Chase Claypool doesn't break out in 2019, that receiving core was in trouble because there was such a thin margin for error because you had like that top one or two guys, and then you were there was a lot of uncertainty about what comes next. And when you look at this team, they can sustain an injury. They can sustain two injuries at running back and still be three deep of very talented players. How many teams in the country can say we could lose Audric Estime and Jabron Payne in the game? Let's just say – Heaven forbid that happens. Let's say they both have really bad cramps, right? And they're out for a game. They're out for the game. All of a sudden, you're still going with Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love, and Devin Ford. How many teams can do that at running back? There aren't many. And you can still use one of them outside a receiver. I I think this is this is what people missed when there was angst about the offensive skill talent, especially at wide receiver, is just the depth of talent that they have. So when I look at this football team, we'll have some questions about the wide receiver that still remain. I'll get to that in the second part of this. But when I look at the offensive skill position, there is a lot of talent. And the reason that mattered to me 
and why I was banking on that, even they even though they didn't look like a million bucks in the fall camp practices, is because I've said all along for years, experience at at those positions is just not as important as it is on the offensive line, at quarterback, at defensive line, at linebacker. Those are positions where if you have the talent, you can play early and you have some idea of what you're doing as a football player, you can play early. And those are the reasons why I, I, I'm excited about this team and why I feel like we can feel really good, even though there are still some lingering questions about who's going to do this and who's going to do that specifically, just as a whole. What we learned on Saturday, this is an incredibly, incredibly deep group of offensive skill players that Notre Dame is going to be able to ride all season. And when you couple that with the first point, which is that the quarterback play is going to be so much better, you all started to get a glimpse on Saturday of why Vince and I have talked so much about how good we think this team can be and why we just have a different feeling about this team. It's those two points right there. The number, the number third, well, the number three thing is that I feel confident about that. I think we know about this football team is it's going to be a lot more explosive offense now, there's a lot of things we don't know, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today because, again, it's one game. There's a lot of things we don't know about this offensive football team. There are several run concepts we didn't see on Saturday. Will we see them against Tennessee State? Will we see them against NC State? I don't know. There are still a lot of things that we've seen them practice, that, that the concepts that I've talked to people about that we didn't see against Navy that we're going to see. And, and now we need to see Jared Parker kind of put a second game plan together because we learned that if Jared Parker has time, he can put a great game plan together, call a great game and just really run a, an incredibly well executed operation on Saturday, which coach Freeman talked about after the game. Now we find out, okay, what can you do when it's a shorter time frame? And we'll learn that to a degree this week, but more so against NC state, more so against Ohio state Duke and those type of teams. You know, what can you put together? How how efficient can your operation be when you basically have three full practices, an uppers practice, and a walkthrough? And that's all the time you had to prepare for an opponent. That's a different situation, and we're going to learn that about Coach Parker, but I'm not overly concerned about that, to be completely honest with you. I, I think what what you saw on Saturday from this football team is a coach who understands it's not about my scheme as much as it's about wh- who, what's the talent we have and how can we find ways to get them the football. And that's something that really impressed me. When you look at the, you know, one of the questions we got earlier in the week is, you know, what was new about the offense? And one of the things I said was we saw a lot more emphasis on the screen game. And when you are a coach that is willing to rely on the screen, yeah, it's designed to be a blitz beater against a team that blitzes a lot, but but why are you going to screens? Why aren't you doing some of the downfield pass concepts we saw in the past? Because you're saying, I don't need to outsmart the other team. I have better dudes than they have. So let's get outside that blitz and let's let those guys eat. And Jared Parker did that. We haven't seen that in a while. We saw that we saw that some from Chip Long, like at the, the end of the 2019 season with Braden Lindsay. But we haven't seen that a whole a whole lot out of Notre Dame. It's been so scheme-driven. And Jared Parker knows scheme. Don't get it twisted of what I'm saying here. But it's a coach that, that what from what I have seen in practice, from the things that I have learned from talking to different sources, and then what we saw on Saturday is a coach who understands it's not about me, it's about them. 
and and it looked really good. I think this is going to be a, a unit that, as we get into the season more, is going to be more explosive uh, than it has been in the past. It certainly wasn't Saturday because because even with the lack of you know the, the really big plays, the no forty no yarders, no fifty yarders plus, none of those plays were happening on Saturday. But even without those, you saw a team that went for seven point eight yards per play. You think about the 2017 offense and Josh Adams was just a big time home run player. Dexter Williams ripped off home runs that year. Deion McIntosh ripped off home runs that year. You had big plays in the pass game. That was an incredibly inefficient football team. And they averaged was actually one of Notre Dame's better years, but they averaged 6.4 yards per play on offense last that year in 2017, despite having a running back that is loose emoji told me, had more 50-yard touchdown runs in one season, 2017, than any Notre Dame running back had ever had for their career. That's a a crazy number. And that offense that year averaged 6.4 yards per play. Here's what they've done in between then. So 2017, 6.4. 2018 was 6.0. 2019 was 6.3. 2020 was 6.2. 2021 was 6.1. And then last year was 5.9. What they did against Navy was 7.8. Now, we've seen games in the past where they've had games like that. USC last year was a game where they were 7.8 yards per play. But the way that they went about it, to me, is repeatable. Because they weren't relying on just Navy being a bad team, but they also did it against a team that that last year, and with all but one front seven starter coming back, gave up 3.0 yards per rush. And the fact that Notre Dame was able to do what they did on Saturday while rushing for 6.0 yards per play against a team, again, doubled what they allowed the year before, and then going 10.1 yards per attempt. Averaging 10.1 yards per attempt and your longest play was 35 yards, your next longest play was, what, 25 yards? That's incredible efficiency that's going to track. That's going to continue to varying degrees throughout the season, which makes me think from a scheme standpoint and from a personnel standpoint, this team is going to be really explosive because when I, when I, if you knew what I knew about the Notre Dame offense, you would say they did not use much of it at all. That excited me for two ways. One, because Jared Parker showed that he's not going to take in a bunch of stuff and just call a bunch of stuff unnecessarily. If we're running something that you can't stop, we're going to keep running it. There's no reason for me to expand the playbook just for the sake of expanding expanding the playbook. Notre Dame didn't feel they needed to to implement any of their pin and pull and gap scheme stuff against against Navy. They ran really two, two gap scheme concepts, and they only ran them for four times. They ran three counter plays, which is a gap scheme, and they ran the power play. Uh, at the goal line for a one-yard touchdown. And and where Andre Gestimate just had a huge hole, basically, to run through. Everything else is duo and inside zone. And I know that there's other stuff that they've run. We've seen it in practice. I've talked to people about it. They didn't run it. There's a lot of pass game stuff they didn't run. They didn't need it. And what you saw they did is they executed what they did at a very high level. I'm encouraged to see that because I also know that they're going to continue to build more stuff into it. And that's why I'm excited to see what this team is going to be from a, you know, from that standpoint, what do we don't, what do we not know about the offense yet? And these are things that, that you can say, Hey, these aren't necessarily concerns. Like I don't think they're going to be good, 
but what I do think is we don't know, maybe know how quite how good, or we don't know the consistency of it. And the first one is going to be how good are the wide receivers? I, I don't think we know that answer yet. I liked what I saw on Saturday. We know that they can beat a, beat up an inferior opponent. That's great. And I saw some good things from the wide receiver core. Navy's a bad secondary. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think we're going to learn more about the skill of the wide receivers this week against Tennessee State than we did against Navy. I, I truly believe that. Ryan and I talked about it yesterday. I think the corners at Tennessee State are better than the corners at Navy. I think the the Josh Green, the safety at Tennessee State, as good if not better than anybody that Navy had at safety. They're a bad secondary. We talked about this. One of the worst pass defenses in college football the year before. So I think when you look at that, it's a it's a question about who they are and just how good they can be. Are they deep? Yes. Are they talented? Yes, no doubt. But there's still a lot we have to learn about just how good they're going to be. Can they win contested throws against good players? Can they get more separation against better talent? Those questions still have to be asked about the receiving core. Love the foundation. Love the start to the season. This group showed it has a lot of potential, and they did that without Tobias Merriweather having any kind of impact. Chris Tyree averaged only 12 yards a catch, had his longest gain was 20 yards. So we didn't see the tight ends at all involved in the pass game. So there's still a lot of weapons that weren't tapped into on Saturday against Navy that will be tapped into. The question, however, is just how good they're going to be. And we don't know the answer to that yet. And we we won't really know it after Tennessee State. It, the only thing that can come out of Tennessee State really are question marks. We're not going to really know this until the NC State game. That's a good secondary that Notre Dame is going to face against NC State and a well-coached football team. So if they th- that's something that they still have to prove. The other part to me is, uh, and I briefly talked about this, was is the role of the tight ends. We don't yet know what the role of the tight ends are going to be. I can promise you this. We're not going to see a ton of games this year where the tight ends don't get targeted in the past game. We're not going to see that a ton. But will will the tight ends be primarily blockers this year? Are they going to have low production? Are there going to be games where we start to see them used more? Were they were they kept in against Navy more so to kind of protect against some of the pressures? We saw that at times where they would do a little bit more max pro with one or two tight ends. There were at times when the, the tight ends were running routes that were taking three guys with them where the other team, uh, the touchdown pass to Jaden Greathouse, not Jaden Greathouse, to, to um, Jaden Thomas uh, for the touchdown. You, you had Holden Stace running a backside route and he had like three guys kind of ran with him and that opened up the the middle of the field. Now that teams know that Notre Dame's not going to be such an all tight end, you know, dominant pass game, will they then have to adjust, play the receiver talent more, and then that opens up more opportunities for the tight ends? I believe so. But we don't yet know what the role for the tight ends going to be. I know it's not going to be what it was with Michael Mayer, and I know it's not going to be what it was on Saturday against Navy from a pass game standpoint. What I all, but the, the positive is that we learned that this tight end group is going to block really well. Mitchell Evans and Holden Stace blocked better than we saw from the tight end room the entire month of September last year. It, it was probably not till middle of the year that the tight end room started being kind of competent in the run game. I, I, I say probably BYU is the earliest that we really started to see some of that. I loved what I saw from them the run game wise, which is a, a great thing, but it's still a bit of a question mark to me what their role is going to be. I I can assume, I can guess, I can project, but we just don't know. We didn't see them catch a ton of balls in practice. 
we didn't see that, at least in the team stuff, we saw them catch balls in seven on seven and one on ones and things along those lines, but not in, in team periods. So I don't, we don't know what the tight end role is going to be. And here's the third piece, and this is going to surprise some of you, but just hear me out on what I'm talking about here. We don't yet know how good the offensive line is going to be. We don't. Now, we know that they played great in the opener, running for 191 yards. And I know that some people are going to dismiss this. I understand. It's fine because you see Navy and you think, well, you know, they're, they're, they're not that good. I'm just telling you this Navy team is going to be much better stopping the run in future games than they were on Saturday against Notre Dame. They, they've they been a top 10 rush defense in two of the previous four years. Their rush defense is his last year, as we talked about, gave up 88 yards a game. They only gave up 131 in, two, in 2021. You know, they're just they're, they're going to be a better team than that. Nin, 2019, they only gave up 105.9. They're just going to be better than what they were on Saturday. What they what happened to them on Saturday was they got dominated by an offensive line that played really good football. If you could promise me that the offensive line is going to play this way for the rest of the year, then I'm saying, yes, this is a top five to seven offensive line. There's things they're going to have to clean up. There's some misses that they had late in plays and in the left guard positions got to get better. And and there's going to have to be better pass pro, for example, from the running back position in future games. But the offensive line played really good for a first game. They played really good football. But we have seen this before, and this is where the question comes from. And it really is not so much about concerns that rose up to me on Saturday. There are things that 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 you'll point to as a coach and say, you got to hold on to that block longer. You got to finish that one a little better. You got to work with a little better angle here. You got to get your hands here. Got away with a couple holds that they won't get away with when they're playing on the road against NC State or Louisville or Duke or Clemson or Stanford, right? You're just not going to get away with those. You pr- you're not going to get away with those at home against Ohio State with a Big Ten officiating crew. You're not going to get away with that at home against USC with a Pac-12 officiating crew. You're just you're just not going to. So you clean that stuff up, but that's that's going to be the story for every offensive line in college football after the first game. There's stuff to clean up. I loved the physicality. I loved how they worked together. They were in the skidding the second level all day long with good timing. The perimeter blocking from the in the screen game was really good. I have no complaints about it, but we saw this at times last year. We saw this offensive line at times last year look really good and then just falter a week or two later or not play as well a week or two later. We saw this offensive line dominate North Carolina and play really well against BYU and then struggle against Stanford. We saw this offensive line bully Syracuse for 60 minutes and absolutely destroy Clemson only to rush for 66 yards and just get whipped by Navy. And then they bounced back great, ran for 281s and dominated Boston College, only to come out the next week against USC and struggle. So the question about the offensive line is not so much how good can it be. We saw that. A great example against Navy. We still have to learn how, how can it be consistently dominant. And that is still a question mark that we're going to learn about this offensive line. I'm optimistic because of how they played in the opener. I'm more optimistic about it now. I think they laid a great foundation with Coach Eastan last year, and now Coach Rudolph is building on that. And for one game, if they build, if they can continue this consistently, then this offensive line is going to be really good. It just, I still need to see the consistency. And, and that's not anything about Joe Rudolph. That's not anything about the current offensive lineman. This guy should be starting or not. It's just, 
we've seen this in the past where they, they have to be able to show that they can do it consistently. Obviously from 18 to 21, that was an issue, really big issue last year. It was also an issue, even though I thought the line played better than it had in, in a while, it was still an issue. There were reasons for it. Teams didn't respect the pass game, all those type of things. I get all that, but they still have to show that they can do it consistently, consistently, but certainly a great, great first step for the Notre Dame offense. So that's going to do it for the offensive part. We're going to talk defense next, but you know, again, just just so you understand it, you 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 should never make. What I'm trying to do is is to say there are things that w- that we saw on Saturday that that I'm confident can continue, and things that are still just question marks. It's hard for me to look at anything that Notre Dame did on Saturday and be like, hmm, that's really concerning. Other than field goals, that's it. It's just looking at it and saying, can we project this to be what we see week after week? That's going to be a big question mark. And I don't know that we're going to get the answers to those questions on Saturday against Tennessee State. You hope that they can take another step on Saturday, but the first real big test is going to be two weeks when they travel to Raleigh to take on NC State. O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 